1: Hello and welcome to Kick-Ass Boomers. My guest today is Emily Thoreau Threat, author of Loving and Living Your Way Through Grief, a comprehensive guide to reclaiming and cultivating joy and carrying on in the face of loss. Having gone through the experience of two husbands dying, as well as the deaths of her father, mother, sister, many family members and friends, Emily has much experience in the grieving process and has learned to face life with love, optimism, and joy. Her mission is to comfort and support those dealing with grief and loss, focusing on positivity. She earned a master's degree in English with a concentration in writing, which led to her career teaching writing at the university level to deal with her grief. So she naturally turned to writing to deal with her grief. She also is teaching those dealing with loss how to use writing to deal with their grief. Emily is joining us today from Maui, Hawaii. So welcome, Emily. How are you today? I'm wonderful. Thank you so much for inviting me. Oh, I'm happy to have you because this is an important topic and I don't think enough people talk about it. So you have had to grieve over and over again through the loss of two husbands, your father, your mother, your sister, family members. How do you recover from that kind of loss? That's an
0: interesting question. I Mm -hmm. I don't think you necessarily recover from it. I've learned to live with it because Mm -hmm. as as long as I love someone, they're going to be in my heart forever. So it's it's not that I get over grief, but I, I deal with it mm-hmm. and I deal with it by focusing on happiness because I know they all would prefer that i be happy in my life instead of being sad and miserable for the rest of my life. And I've learned different ways to write that help me do that. And in doing that, I have been helping others learn those same ways to write and learn happiness practices that can help them so that
1: they can live their best lives and feel the best they can. Right. Because you have to learn to, to, to deal with the grief so that it's not so overwhelming every day. It's always going to be there. Mm -hmm. People tell me it never goes away and it doesn't, but I haven't lost my mother. I lost years ago, my grandmother, my grandparents, but I haven't lost a husband or children, which when you lose children, the grief must be overwhelming. So I've never had to deal with that kind of grief, but you have to learn how to so that you can at least go on living because otherwise every day is just nothing but crying. And, you know, I'm sure there are people that are doing that day after day. They can't pull themselves out. So I think your book, which is a guide to reclaiming that joy, is probably very helpful to people that are grieving.
0: Yeah, the people who've read it have all told me that, that they're so grateful that they found something that actually offers something for them to do, something that that helps actively in whatever it is. And it has all the chapters are each each on a different subject related to grief, and at the end of each chapter, it has a, a practice or something that they can do to help them deal with that specific thing. So you can you can go to the table of contents and, and find, for instance, forgiveness, and think, oh wow, that's probably something I should uh, learn about. And when you uh, read that, it, it shows you how you can forgive yourself first. And then figure out anything else you need to forgive and shows you how much better that you can feel when you've done that
1: practice. So in each chapter, it's like that. Oh, that's very helpful because there's nobody's telling people how to deal with it so that they just suffer day after day. They don't know how to break that cycle of just constantly being sad. And like you say, our relatives don't want us to be sad. Like if it's your husband or your child or whoever, they don't want you to be miserable. They want you to go on living, but it's in our society, it's hard because nobody wants to really talk about it. People don't want to discuss death and die. And even when they come to the funeral, nobody really knows what to say, right? That's right. And they, they often say things that are very unhelpful. Yes, <laughs> so right.
0: I'm kind of on a campaign to ask people to not say those things that, that actually can be hurtful and make someone feel worse. And I always suggest that they say, uh, for instance, something positive about the person who died. Like my husband, Jacques, was a fabulous singer, Mm -hmm. in in addition to being a philosophy professor. But he (laughs) he liked to sing and act. And I had so many people come up and say that uh, they just loved to go any place that he was performing because they loved to hear his voice. It was so beautiful and that they were going to miss that. Uh, and yeah, that made me feel so much better than, I'm sorry right. for your loss.
1: Yeah, yeah, <laughs> because everyone says that. And, and then they say, you know, uh, I don't know, I've heard of some bad things. I can't think of anything right now, but some of the oh, really I- awful heart <laughs> things that are like, oh, don't ever say that. Oh,
0: Yeah, yeah, there's there's a whole bunch of those that people say, like, uh, you're young, you can get married again, or you can have another baby, or no, don't say that. Yeah. That's the last thing I'm thinking about at that moment. Absolutely. And uh, he's in a better place. Well, I thought he was in a pretty good place when he was with me. You know, <laughs> So <laughs> you, you just, just uh, kind of think about how you'd feel if somebody said that to you and you were in the position of greeting someone. Right. And yeah. you might think differently about what you're going to say. I think a lot of people just say things that they've heard someone else say before. So right. they just say it so they don't have to think of something to say. Yes. But if if you do take the time to offer something that's, it's actually of comfort and things like saying, uh, just let me know if you need anything. Stop saying that. Right,
1: right. Nobody's going to call you.
0: no. No. (laughs) I I had one situation where when Jacques was so ill and he'd been ill for a long time and I couldn't, it was before they had any of the food delivery things like they've got now, right? uh, like from grocery stores or from restaurants or anything where, where we lived, they had nothing like that. Uh And we had been in the hospital over and over and over again. And we were at a point when he was at home, I couldn't leave him by himself and we had run out of groceries. I mean, I I had always stocked lots of stuff, but I used them all up. And I I was calling those people that said, just let me know if you need anything. And they would let it go to the answering machine because they, I think they didn't want to deal with whatever it was that I was asking.
1: Right. And they thought maybe you were calling to tell them he passed. Yeah. And they didn't know what to say. Yeah. Yeah. Terrible. Terrible. So nobody called back. And that, that was a scary time.
0: Oh and <laughs> that period. So be very careful about what you say. Right. And it's better to say, can I bring you some groceries? Or I'm going to the store, can I bring you something right now? Right, right. Um, and things like that are, are really helpful. So they really are.
1: In fact, I have an older aunt that lives in Germany, and we talked to her, especially over the holidays, and she was saying that her one nephew calls her. He comes over once a week and says, what do you need done? So he's willing to do anything. When he's at the grocery store, he will actually call her and say, do you need anything? I'm here. And, you know, there's a lot of older people that can't get out of the house either. And that is so helpful. If you want to be helpful, then that's what you do. And if you know that your friend has a sick husband, you should be calling when you're at the grocery store and say, do you need anything? I'm right here. I'll be glad to drop it off. That's Mm -hmm. helpful right? That's right. Yeah. That's right. And it's not hard to do. So Mm-mm. I hope that gets people thinking that if they have someone that has, you know, you know, they have a dying husband or, or friend or someone who's ill, call them up and say, I'm right here. What do you need? And then get it for them. That's right. Yeah. So, so people are uncomfortable talking about grief and grieving. We talked about that already. So I guess for, in order to help your friends and your family that are grieving, we should be reading the book and learning different things to do and say so that we don't say the wrong thing, correct? Yeah,
0: that that (laughs) will help. The book will help with that as well as a whole lot of other things. Right. There's there's so many things you can do for yourself and things that you can do for other people. And the more that you focus on comfort and serving others, the better you're going to feel it gets you out of your your own head of thinking I'm in the most horrible place I could possibly be. You think if I did this for so-and-so,
1: they would be grateful. Yes. And it does. I think it always makes you feel better to do for other people mm-hmm. than doing for yourself. You know, you go shopping and so you felt great for a little bit, but if you go and help a neighbor or a friend, someone that really needs something, you feel good for a long time. It is much That's better. Right. Yeah. And I think, All of us older people have found that out. As we age, we've come to that conclusion that it's better to do for others. You'll feel better. It helps your health when you do things for other people. I guess all the endorphins will come to your body and it will help you be healthier. So it's a good thing. So as we age, we're all gonna have family and friends who have a dying person, like someone who has cancer. Some are very sudden, and that's the most difficult when it's super sudden. But others will be sick for an extended period, and please help them. Call them when you're at the store and say, what do you need? And if they don't need anything, great. But if they do, because people that are sick don't want to ask for help. Like when I went through my cancer back a couple of years ago, I didn't want to call people and say, can you do this or can, you you know, if they would call me and say, do you want me to come over or can I come clean your house? Because I couldn't clean. I probably would have said yes, but you don't want to call and ask. That's right. Yeah. So people really need to put themselves out there and say, I'd be glad to come over and do your dishes for the day. Or do you need help with laundry? Because you want to be sitting by your husband's side if he's ill. So I'll come over and help you do laundry or clean your house. Or when I'm at the store, call up and find out what they need. There's so many things that you can do that will make you feel good and the other person's life easier because it's so difficult as you're, you know, someone's dying, you're grieving, and you're going through that process. It's a difficult process. It really is. Yes, and and. It's also nice to just
0: hear from people, especially since we're still dealing with a pandemic after all this time. People are not getting together face to face as much as they have in the past. And if you're dealing with grief and feeling like you're stuck home alone, that's even worse. So yes. call people on the phone, send them an email, send them a text, do, right. do something. That, that hardly takes any time at all right. and can uh, really brighten the day of, of someone. I have someone right now who had COVID, was very, very ill with it in the hospital for a long time, mm. uh, ended up having to move out of where he'd lived by himself into someplace that he could have some assistance. And he's, he's sad. Yeah. And we we have started, and he lives on the mainland, and I live in Hawaii. So every day, we say good morning and good night to each other with, with different little things. And we do that with text. And it doesn't take that much time. But boy, I smile whenever I get one of them. And oh, it makes me so good. So, yeah, so I'm sure so it helps nice. him too.
1: So. Right. And when you're living alone like that, you want to feel like someone's thinking about you. And mm-hmm. it's just... How easy is that? A quick text so you know, oh, someone's saying good night to me. Someone's saying good morning to me. Yes. He might not have anyone, but the caregiver's doing that. Mm-hmm. And you want to have that from... And it's so easy. You're right. It is so easy. I just think we don't think of it. So I'm hoping this podcast jogs people's memory and they start thinking of ways they can be a better friend to someone who is losing someone close to them. Don't be afraid. Don't be. And if you say something wrong, you say it wrong. You'll do better the next time, but it's better to communicate than not to just cut them off because I know people that lose their husbands, especially they feel totally cut off because my aunt, when her husband died, she was only 50 and she used to go out to dinner with this whole group of people all the time. Once her husband died, that was it. They never invited her to go out again because I guess they consider her a threat now because she's a single woman. I'm just like, why couldn't she go to dinner with you? But this kind of stuff happens and it's very hurtful to the people it happens to.
0: It'd be amazing. How, uh, I'd be amazed at how much that does happen. Yeah. I had a, had a friend after Jacques died who had lost her husband maybe a year before Jacques died. And she was very conscious of inviting me to go places. And it would be with her and with her new boyfriend. (laughs) It didn't (laughs) didn't matter, you know, if if there was but you know, who was there.
1: Right. But I had
0: some really nice opportunities going out with her. And I just felt like I could breathe. Yeah. That I, yeah. I wasn't totally alone because somebody got it and we could, we could talk about anything because we didn't feel like we had to keep saying something about the loss. We could talk about other things, right? Or what was going on in the world or in the community or what we were doing to serve somebody else.
1: And it, it was so wonderful to not be forgotten. Yeah, that's it. You want to feel included. I mean, we're social beings. We and COVID has really wrecked havoc with all of us. Even mm-hmm. those not grieving their home by themselves, they can't see their family as much as they could in the past. It's really been difficult. And people that are in nursing homes alone, they they're not getting visitors because the nursing home doesn't want anyone to come in. It's a real. It's been a really tough two years. It really has for many, many people. So if you can reach out to anyone just reach out give them a quick phone call and just talk to them we all need that human contact we really do
0: that's right and and i do another thing that i do that people seem to really like is i send them something in the mail i'll write a card or a letter or something and they get something actually in the mail that they can open up and then they can hold on to yes (laughs) and they're so tickled by that and I've gotten things back like, like pictures. Some, uh, I've had someone send me a just precious picture. I'm so thrilled to have that, that probably wouldn't happen had I not written them first. Right. So it's, it's really wonderful to find different ways to stay in touch with people, which also, if you're the one grieving,
1: will bring people to be in touch with you. Yes. True. I have an elderly aunt right now. She's 96. She has dementia. So I can't really call and talk to her on the phone. So I send her cards for every kind of anything, you know, like happy fall, happy Halloween, happy Thanksgiving, Merry Christmas. we're coming up on Valentine's. So I just can't, and she loves it. She gets the card and she's living with my cousin right now. And my cousin says, oh, she opens it up and puts it down. Then she picks it up again and opens it up again. I mean, they love it. So, Mm -hmm. I mean, we could do that for a lot of people and it doesn't take a lot. You put a card and a stamp and it's off in no time. It's like, so I just like every couple of weeks, I'll just send any kind of a card thinking about you or whatever. It just makes her happy to get that mail. So, and that goes for anybody likes to have mail, but I specifically do it for her because she's the last aunt. When she goes, our family is gone. Like all the older ones, I'll be the older one. And, you know, she was my mother's sister. So I want to do whatever I can. And that's what I can do right now. So that's what I do. I just keep sending cards.
0: That's right. Yeah. One of the things that I did actually what led to me writing my book was that a few months after my husband Ron died, a good friend of his just dropped dead. And this man was they were family friends of ours that on the mainland and we saw each other often and he was they were so close that he called my husband dad. They were their age difference was that great. So <laughs> I knew that his wife was not going to be prepared for this at all because he wasn't the age when you're thinking about your husband dying. Right. And she just not going to have any idea of what's important, what's not, what you need to do. Right. That sort of thing. So I sat down and and wrote her a letter real quick, a a long letter and saying, these are the things that are important for you to think about right now. And these are the things that you don't need to worry about right now. Right,
1: right, and
0: she let me know that that letter was invaluable to her because nobody talked to her about things no. like that. No, no, nobody anything wants else to in the say world, anything. but nothing that. Right.
1: right, exactly. So,
0: <laughs> when she said that to me that it was helpful, I thought, well, I I can do more than that, and so I decided I would write her a card every week, and I I've been making. Note cards that I would send out because I love to take pictures here in Maui because there's so much beauty. And so I thought, well, I'll make her a card and put one of my pictures that I took a different one on the card each week and then send her a card each week. And then I thought, okay, I better figure out if I've got 52 different things that I can say since I wanted to write her for a year. (laughs) So I sat down and I made a list and I easily came up with 52 different things to talk about and things that would be most, um, pertinent to the, the distance it was from when he died right and so I made those and I got him to send out to her and it took a while because I did them on my computer and we had to print them and cut them and fold them and all that sort of stuff and when I was right. in the process of doing that I thought you know what I, I'm a writer as you said I, I have taught writing for many years and I've written a lot to help myself mm-hmm. I thought I could this is a, an outline uh, you know the okay. 52 different things in there that it was an outline and that i could write a book about it so i got a agent
1: and got a publisher and that's where my book came from Uh, And you got an agent, that's really hard. So kudos to you because I've talked to many authors and they have to self-publish or go into another, they hardly, they can't find agents. So that just goes to show you how there isn't enough out there on grieving. There really is not. Mm -hmm. So that's wonderful. So your book is traditionally published then. That's right. Oh, that's wonderful. Mango Press, Mango Publishing. And it's your
0: first book, correct? Well, it's my first book of this kind. I've written okay. college textbooks before. Oh, but I'm, I'm di- sure yeah, that they're that
1: di- helped. But yeah. they're,
0: they're a different kind of publisher. Yeah. But I'm sure when the agent thought of taking me on, she saw that I had a history of being able to write.
1: Okay, yep.
0: And yep. so that, I'm sure that helped. But this is the first book of, of this kind that, that's out there. And I've, I've got another one in the works and uh, that I'm really excited about, too. Oh, that's so great. So I, I oh. just think they're so helpful. I found when... When, especially when shock died, I couldn't find much of anything that was on grief. And so what year was that when he died? It was in 2006. Okay. So and there should have been, there should have been, there should have been in 2006. There was a little bit, but not Not that much much. that was helpful. Right. But when Ron died, there were lots of books and I started reading the books and most of them are memoirs and they were heartbreaking. And I'm sure that it did the person who wrote them a lot of good to be able to express all this, but it wasn't helping me. No, no. And so, what I was thinking, and I got bits and pieces from the different books that I read, but I thought what we need out there is something that's going to actually help people. So that was my intention when I started writing this book, that it would be something that people could actually use
1: to make a difference in their lives at this time. And that's what they need. And I think you have a whole website that has Mm -hmm. all kinds of helpful information. So tell us what, what the website is and what we'll find there. Talk about the blog. You've got a podcast. You've got a lot of really, really helpful information. So for the people that are in my audience that are grieving, Give us the lowdown so we know where to go. Okay. <laughs>
0: well, <laughs> the name of my book is Loving and Living Your Way Through Grief. So that's also the name of my website, loving and living your way through And it's also my email, Emily at loving and your way through and on my website, you'll find my blog that I, I write and publish every week. You'll also find links to my podcast, which you, you don't have to go to my website to get it. You can get it wherever podcasts are. And it's named Grief and Happiness. And so we're talking about the the positive side of, of what you can get from that. And another thing that I'm really excited about that we just started uh, last November is something called the Grief and Happiness Alliance. And this is a group that meets each week on Zoom and we will do some writing about grief and then we'll learn a happiness practice. And then you can make friends in the group that are, are also grieving. So you've got somebody who
1: you've got something in common with that you can talk to. Right. And that's so important, I think. to oh, be, yeah. Yeah. To have that community. It's just is really, really helpful. No matter what, this is grieving or you're in a cancer group or you're in a writing group. I don't care what the group is. These groups are so helpful. They really are. And the, the other thing about
0: that with the happiness part, people, a lot of times I'll say grief <laughs> and happiness and people go, oh yeah, right. I don't think so. <laughs> <laughs> but I found after Shock Guide, I found the book called Happy for No Reason by Marcy Shymoff. Reading that made a big difference for me. It really helped me look at things differently. And I really like that. So when I was after my book was published and I was I happened to look her up and I discovered that she had started a program to create happy for no reason trainers. Mm. Now, her book is, is phenomenally successful. It led to her doing, I think, six different books with Jack Canfield that are the happy for no reason books that she had, she published six of those with him. Mm -hmm. And so people know her from all over. So she's traveled all over the world teaching these happiness practices that she's come up with and she included in her book. And she realized that she could reach a lot more people if she had happiness trainers Yes. That could use the information that she has published in her book.
1: Mm-hmm. So
0: I became a certified Happy for No Reason trainer, which Thank allows you. me to do all of the research and all of the practices that she's come up with. So when I say oh, we work on a great. happiness practice, it's stuff that's based on on things that really work. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it's pretty marvelous. And I just love working with that. And the, the good thing about what she does is when you become a trainer, you, you get to use the information any way that you want to use it. Mm-hmm. So for me, being able to use this information and combine it with grief, they're thrilled to death because that's something nobody else was doing. No, and absolutely. and they, they love the idea of being able to, to use this proven techniques, practices yes. that,
1: that really help. Yes. Because you need, you need techniques and processes to pull you out of that grief. Otherwise the grief is overwhelming and you're just crying all day. You need to, and no one does that. No one gives you the roadmap. Okay. If you do this or you try this, things to do to help pull you out of that. It's very important. So. This is great, all of your training and your book. thats wonderful. We need it. So I'm so happy that I found you so that we can talk about it on the podcast. <laughs> Thank you so much. I'm glad you found me too. <laughs> yeah, this is great. So um, yeah, so people can go to your to your website and I encourage them to do that. Look up everything. I mean, if if you're if you've just lost someone very close to you, listen to the podcast, read the blog every week, get the book. They're all different things that can help you. And then join the alliance, the Grief and Happiness Alliance, because anyone can join that from all over the world. Correct? That's right, any place, and we've got people
0: from around the world, so that that makes it really exciting. And the other thing you can do is give the book as a gift to someone who's dealing with loss. Yes. Because they, they may not have heard of anything like this and it can make a huge difference, difference in their lives too. So it's, and you know, you send flowers when somebody dies and those will, you know, <laughs> you throw them away where with this is a, a really wonderful bereavement gift because it's something that they can keep in use for months or years.
1: Absolutely. And it does take a while to really Mm -hmm. get over that initial grief. It it can take a while. So if they have that book to look back on for a whole year, so helpful. Yes. So thank you so much, Emily, for being with us today on Kick-Ass Boomers and sharing all that helpful information. I encourage my listeners who are grieving to go to your website, join one of your groups and listen to your podcast, Grief and Happiness. So thank you again, Emily. It's been great. I've really enjoyed it.